Now we uh, go back to our exposition of the book of Ephesians, and we will continue with Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, which was a portion, a latter, the latter portion of the last message of two weeks ago. And so turn to Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. The reading of God's holy word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'd like to just briefly review what we looked at last time, which has to do more with the how-to of it all. And I've already read this scripture, which speaks to the children, young and old alike, even adult children, and in fact speaks more to them in that there are three verses that are dedicated to them and only one to the parents. God wants you to keep on obeying your parents. You obey God when you obey your parents. Keep that in mind. You honor God when you honor your father and your mother. Honoring your parents is the motive for obeying them. This is the only commandment in the Ten Commandments about the family. It only takes one. It is the first commandment with promise attached to it. Promise of long life. Honor thy father, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. But Paul adds something else to what Moses stated in the Decalogue. He said, children, if you want to live a long and a happy life, he says you must honor your parents, that it may be well with thee, and that thy days may be long upon this earth. You parents, fathers and mothers both, not just fathers, don't discourage your children, and especially your growing children, and particularly your grown-up children, your adult children, and I can relate to that, we can relate to that, can we not, dear? Especially by unreasonable demands especially by being unreasonable, like when you're not in the right mood and you speak rather than praying, going to the side and asking God to settle you in your spirit so that when you speak, you speak as he would have you to speak. So you parents, both fathers and mothers, don't discourage them in this way by unreasonable demands, restrictions that would Drive them to anger, maybe even despair, and certainly resentment. You don't need that. Many, an ancient father, as I said also before, Jewish and even later Gentiles, we discover, rule their households with a rigid iron hand. I had a friend who, I have a friend, I shouldn't say, he, we evangelized together, who 
was raised with such a parent father, actually. And sadly, uh, the, the marks of, of that upbringing are still with him, although as a Christian who came to faith later in life, you see a different person who, who is struggling against that old man and who is desiring uh, that his old man lay to rest in the dust and that that new man would arise and would glorify God. And, and so he, he's a different man. He's a different... He is not a father, or he is a father, but he's a different father. And he's a different husband than he was before. I'm going by his testimony. And you can see it in the way that he treats us and the way he treats those to whom he speaks the word of God. And sadly today, perhaps the opposite is what rules laxness in our discipline of our homes. But regardless, the remedy is one and the same. And what does the Apostle Paul say? say? Nurture. Nurture, which means to teach. Teach your children. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And that's not just words, but your model, your life, your testimony. You've got to be around them long enough for them to see that. And if you're always busy and out of the house or always at work and only coming home when your children are asleep, that's not, not doable. Or mothers that are working. Oh, my, when father and mother are working, like, like a good number of us have experienced in life, we know how sometimes catastrophic such a household becomes. And, 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 and uh, as the term goes, dysfunctional. Really, it's, it's sin. It's sin. And so we are to apply the remedy of the word. The remedy, which is one and the same, nurture and ad- admonish. Admonish is, is discipline. Like you would disciple others for the kingdom. How about your family? How about my family? My wife, my children first, which is what, what the order is, right? Home first, Jerusalem first, and then to the othermost part of the world. Reading God's word together, praying together, growing in love and in holiness and peace and happiness together. This is what our children need. This is what they look for and long for. Believe it or not, even discipline, even structure is so important. We crave for it because we are made in God's image, which calls for order and symmetry in our lives, balance between righteousness and and love, between truth and love. They will love and respect you, parents. They will follow your footsteps if you follow and that's no easy test. Let me tell you, I know firsthand how I have failed my family. And even once in a while, I'll still hear from my eldest. And he would testify to his family, well, you know, my dad uh, wasn't always there. I, I catch that. He doesn't put it directly like that, but I, I, I could tell. And I, well, pray for him to do better. Than his old man. And if your prayers are anything like ours, 
you would want your children to even go further in the Christian life than yourself. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's the how-to. But now we come to another angle on this passage, which I was very convicted uh, by when I thought about this further since uh, that last uh, portion. And that is the why. The why of it all. It's about the Christian home, but the why behind why we do what we do. And this is it. I'll just bring it down to, to brass tacks. And I'll quote to you Romans 8.29. I'll read to you and quote to you. Romans 8.29. This is where all of this is headed. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn is Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn of God, our Heavenly Father's family. And what he is after in his saving us and what we should be after is Christ-likeness. Is being like Jesus. You can't go wrong, but we have to look at Jesus' life in the one single recorded event in his tender years, which is found in Luke chapter 2. So we've got to turn to Luke 2, verse 39 through 52, another portion, which is for this morning afternoon. So Luke 2, 39 through 52. Hear the word of the Lord. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And when it came to pass, am I reading the right one? No, I know you're looking at me quizzically because I'm reading the wrong chapter. Sorry about that. <laughs> Luke 2, 39 through 52. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in a company, in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting at the midst, in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, 
Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and thy mother have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word again. Honor thy father and thy mother. Again, the only recorded incident of our Lord as a child that we can compare ourselves with. You see a possible infraction here, sin, on the part of our Lord, breakage of the fifth commandment. It says Joseph and his mother knew not of it, meaning they didn't know of his having stayed behind. Now he's 12, and but still, still, he's, he's under their authority. He's under their care. He's their child. That, that's, that's a no-no. I suppose if Jesus told his folks, hey, father and mother, let me stay behind because I have this opportunity to talk to the doctors of the law, the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees who are intrigued by my questions and even some of my statements with regard to God's word. And then let's say he's, he, he stayed behind anyway when they said, sorry, son. Now that would be a definite case of disobedience. But that wasn't so. And the evidence that we have to go on, the slim evidence, if you will, he was subject to them. And just like his heavenly father that he was subject to, to whom or of whom he said that my meat and my drink is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. The one whom he always loved and who always loved him and whose will was his delight to do. So it was his parents. Is that you and me? Especially as children of our parents, even though our parents may be deceased from this life. This young man was raised in the countryside entered into his father's house, which is the temple, for the first time. We know that that's his father's house because he said so as a grown man, did he not? He says, take these things to the money changers and to those that were making merchandise of, of his father's house. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise, a den of thieves, for it is a house of prayer and of worship and of praise. Being in that temple for the first time must have amazed him. A temple which would symbolize his father's house, which symbolizes his father's house, and a temple which would symbolize his body later on because he would say of that temple, in three days I will tear this temple down and then raise it back up. Not speaking of, of course, the temple physical one there, but of his human body. Age 12 is a precocious age in the growth of a young man. and 
So to have him in this situation, a very unique situation, certainly a divine event, sitting there in the midst of all these doctors, throwing out questions and getting answers and throwing out other questions and getting more answers. And the questions that must have been asked of him by those doctors, how could we explain it except that it was amazing? But what does this, again, say about his home, his parents especially? His mother who said, your father and I have been worrying to death about you. And then have him say back, wished you or do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now in the Greek, it's one of those fluid translations of the Greek. It could also be rendered the things of my father I must be about things that pertain to his house, seems that the location where he's at is his father's house. It was the location of his father's house. The temple was symbolic, was typical of where worship of the triune God takes place in the Old Covenant Church. We can't affirm yet that Jesus meant but later as a man, he would claim about himself that he is the son of God, and, and, and that was what he was about, at least not yet. But we can definitely say that he had a sense of his sonship, where he counted God as his heavenly father. We also, who by faith have come to Christ, have that same spiritual sense, do we not? Bible says that the spirit of Christ bears witness with our own that we are the children of God, Romans 8, 16. The temple, again, was a picture of God's covenant presence with his people. It was the presence of God, beginning with the tabernacle and now transferred to the temple. So Jesus was in the physical temple of God's presence, which would not continue for very long when in 70 AD, Titus would come and annihilate that nation and destroy that temple and the city of Jerusalem. Now, the true temple was in the soul of Jesus, was in the body and soul, if I may say so, because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The true temple is our souls. Our souls are our, ourselves, our, our being. Our Lord, or I should say, the Apostle Paul says, Are you not that your body is the temple of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which is of God, and you are not your own? And so, being bought with a price, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. That's the temple. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and you shall be my people. Go out from among them. Be separate from that idol, whatever that is, or idols. And I will call you my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Our Lord Jesus put it this way in John 14, 23. John 14, 23. 
beautiful gospel, John, does it, does it not? Is it not a very intimate gospel, like our Heidelberg Catechism, talking about it in the first person? And John 14, 23, our Lord answers his disciples who are concerned about his manifesting himself to the world. This is what he says. If a man love me, he will keep my words. My father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So those who receive the gospel, who receive Christ, who is the Savior, will have the love of the Father and of his Son, and will have their presence in their lives. We are the temple of the living God. In this case, the house, not just of the Father, but of the Savior as well. As Paul would say elsewhere, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. Those are like this, the words of, of a baby, a young child, not, not a baby. <laughs> it might sound like Abba from the lips of, a, of, a, of an infant, you know, lisping uh, his, his praise of his mommy and daddy, but no, those are words like daddy and mommy, that of a little bit older child. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Is your life a life that is lived for the Father? Is your house the Father's house and the Son's? Like the wise man who built his house upon the rock, and the rains descended, descended, and the floods came and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Because your ear is attuned to your Heavenly Father. Your ear is attuned to the words of your Savior, and not the other way. Is your home the Father's home? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is your church your Father's house and your Savior's? As David put it in Psalm 27.4. Psalm 27.4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's not in the future. It's not heavenly. It's right here and now. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
Jesus said, I must be about the things of my father's house. I know this is not the authorized version, exact translation of Luke 2.49. But it's again one of those fluid verses that we need to look at and examine from the original. And yes, when you are in your father's house, when you are a faithful servant in your father's house, when for you to be a, a doorkeeper in the house of your God is far greater than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, I would dare say that you will be about your father's business. Maybe not perfectly. Maybe not perfectly like a Joseph who would be tempted by the mistress of his, of his father's house, Potiphar, and would not yield. Maybe there are time and time again when we would yield the flesh and yield to temptation, yield to Satan. And we'd be smitten in our consciences for it, and rightly so. But we are in our Father's house, and we have the embrace of our Father holding on to us when we cannot hold on to Him, when, when, when we see ourselves slipping away, backsliding. And that is because He is not a father who discourages his children, but who loves his children so much that he will not let them go that far. That's our God. Are you living in your heavenly Father's house every day? As our Lord, of whom it was said by the writer Luke, he was subject unto them. He was subject unto them. And not just like this, but like this. And like one of my relatives who spoke of his son that I hadn't seen in years, talked about his son, who's this big burly guy who plays three sports, football, basketball, and baseball, and is a straight-A student. And this is the first time I heard this. I knew about the sports part, but I didn't know about being a good student. Then he shared with me something, and I... I didn't think I was going to bring this up. But he says, yes, this big son of mine, I remember when I was a little boy, he would, he would ride on my, on my neck, and he would just hang on there, and he just didn't want to let go. And then as a grown young man of 16, he still does the same thing. I said, really? Oh, my. I'm envious. <laughs> I said, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's, that's precious. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. Like our Lord, who even to the end of his life, in John 19, 26 and 27, said to his mother and of his mother, the following. John chapter 19. 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, that's John, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And saith he to the disciple, Behold my mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Of course, this is when he was at the end of his life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 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 Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you in the home? Where are you in your relationship to those that you have authority over? as heads of homes, as fathers and as mothers, as husbands of wives, as grandparents of children and grandchildren. Where are you? Shall we pray? Father, we thankful, are thankful for the model of our Lord. And though it just seems so, so brief and so scanty, the information, the evidence that we have to corroborate his obedience, his being that loving, parent-honoring son, yet it's there. It's there in, in seed form, we may say, but it is there nonetheless. And we put the whole picture together, we have such a glorious picture of one who was the perfect son and who loved his parents enough that he would honor them and obey them even unto death and so may we be O Lord and though we fall short and though we, we will never attain unto that perfect example though we may try hard to do so if you receive that effort as coming from the hearts and lives of your blood-bought children whom you have loved from all eternity will love unconditionally to the end because of what your Son, our Lord Jesus, has done for us. Thank you, Lord. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's now sing our parting hymn, 588. So stand as we